0: Hello, and welcome to The New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it, out in the new beyond, where comfort zones are history. And we're tasked with learning how to navigate this brave new world. I'm Dr. Judith Rich, an octogenarian, coach, and author of the best selling book, Beyond the Box i've spent the last 46 years in the field of transformation coaching people all over the world how to identify and break through old patterns and limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck and challenged to progress their lives in the direction of what matters most in this podcast i'll be your guide and from time to time we'll hear from some interesting people in the field of transformation and others who, by example, are out there courageously tearing down old walls, reinventing themselves, and building their lives in the new beyond. Join me as we begin an adventure in going beyond where you think you can go. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. I'm ready. Are you? All right. Let's begin. Remember that line in the wizard of Oz where Dorothy finds herself finally in the land of Oz, where everything is beautiful. She looks at Toto and says, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. And then this large bright sphere appears in the sky. It zooms in and turns into Glenda, the good witch, whereupon Dorothy turns to Toto and says, Toto, Now I know we're not in Kansas. Well, guess what, kids? We are definitely not in Kansas anymore. And of course, we're talking metaphorically with Kansas representing where we came from, but not where we currently are. In today's world, we're not where we used to be. We might not be in the land of Oz where everything is beautiful, but we're definitely not in Kansas anymore. Each of us has a Kansas that we can't go back to because it doesn't exist anymore. What is your Kansas? What is the past you've left because the game has changed, or because you played that game full out and completed it and are ready to move on? Or maybe you're still holding on to your Kansas or your illusion of what it represented, and you feel stuck or paralyzed by fear to get started in a new direction. I think it's time I shared a bit about my Kansas, and this involves sharing some of my personal story. So with your indulgence, here goes. Like many people, I spent most of my early years in life going along with a program laid out for me by my teachers, friends, employers, and others who influenced me. I wanted to belong fit in, be accepted, and be popular among my peers. But most of all, I wanted to live up to my parents' expectations and become the person I thought they wanted me to be. My mother, born in 1910, and one of 10 children, married my father when she was 17. In this large family, hers was another mouth to feed, So as a teen, she was encouraged to find a man, get married, and although they didn't say this part out loud, what she got was become one less responsibility for her parents. In fact, when she was eight years old, my grandparents literally gave her away. They gave her away to go live with her aunt, who was the sister of my grandmother, Aunt Alice was her name, and Aunt Alice had no children. My mother's mom, Grandma Nellie, had 10 children. So I guess the idea was, why not share a little bit of the excess? It must have sounded like a good plan to the adults. The day Aunt Alice came to choose which child she wanted, she chose my mother because my mom had bright, red, wavy hair and stood out from all the others. And Alice took my mother by the hand and led her out of the only home she'd ever known to her own house to live and to become her child. The only problem was they forgot to mention this arrangement to my mom. In her eight-year-old mind, her parents had abandoned her. And why wouldn't she think that? Because that's basically what happened. I never heard this story until I was in my fifties after my father had passed away and my mom came to live with me for almost a year. During that time, I heard many of my mom's childhood stories for the first time. So back to Anne Alice. As my mom tells the story, After my parents sent her to live with Aunt Alice, she cried nonstop for three weeks. Imagine being one of 10 children with all of her siblings, going from that to being an only child, living with people who, while they weren't exactly total strangers, they might as well have been. Talk about change and disruption except my mother refused to get on board. She cried until Aunt Alice gave up and returned her back home to her own parents and family. But even as she went back home, my mom was dramatically altered. She definitely wasn't in Kansas anymore. She no longer felt secure in her family and saw her position among them as you might imagine, very tenuous. I mean, her parents could decide to get rid of her in some other way, thought this little eight-year-old girl. She decided she'd better earn the right to stay put. So from that time on, she took it upon herself to become indispensable in her family. She became the one who took care of the other children At the end of the school day, she stayed behind and made sure everyone got home safely. She made sure her brothers and sisters were safe and secure, no doubt a compensation for her lack of feelings, these feelings in herself. As she grew older, it was clear to her that her path to security lay in getting married and being able to move out on her own, well, Not exactly on her own. Is it any wonder that the main message I got from my mom when I was a girl and then a young woman growing up was you need a man in your life to take care of you? I got that message loud and clear and never questioned its veracity for myself. And so my own life unfolded as a fulfillment of my mother's message for I took it as a warning. I became a woman who thought she needed a man to take care of her. I became a woman who couldn't see who she was or what she was capable of on her own. For I was convinced that my mother was right, that I needed a man to take care of me. It would take several decades and three marriages and divorces for me to sort it all out and finally, eventually, become a woman capable of managing her own life. I was raised to believe that my primary job in life was to graduate from high school, get married, work for a while, if I insisted, and then have a family. A career was only, quote unquote, something to fall back on after the children grew up or in the case of extreme necessity. Women weren't expected in those days to have legitimate careers of their own outside of their roles as wife and mother. Of course, there were always the exceptions. Some women did go into professional careers as doctors or lawyers, but they were a distinct minority. Most careers open to women or the good fall back on kind of careers like teaching, nursing, or secretarial work. I entered high school in 1956 and needed to decide if I was going to take the college prep track or the vocational track. Because no one in my family had gone to college, there were no expectations for me to go. My father naturally thought I would become a secretary, No college degree necessary. Back then, the skills needed for being a secretary were typing. There were no computers, of course. Filing. No computers, of course. Knowing how to operate a telephone or some kind of switchboard thingy-do. Taking dictation and some organizational skills. I was 14 years old. I could look ahead and see a future if I chose the path my parents expected me to take. But as for me at age 14, I peered into that future called secretary, no offense to secretaries, and knew it was not for me. This was the very first time in my life when I took a peek beyond what had always been the box that was expected of me. It was the first time I even considered that I needed to make my own choice independent of what my parents wanted for me. They wanted me to choose the tried and true path of doing office work. It was the safe choice because this was what they knew. It was the choice to stay in Kansas. But it wasn't what was written on my heart. I wanted to be a teacher. That much I knew. And that meant going to college and getting a degree in education. And that meant choosing the college track in high school. So that's what I did. And to their credit, my parents were in full support of my choice. I studied liberal arts in high school and went on to college i loved the school environment and my chosen major so much i attended summer school every year and learned enough earned enough credits to graduate a semester early i couldn't wait to get started in my first teaching job however even as i chose my own path in terms of education and becoming a teacher My early conditioning was still imprinted very strong in me. I was still the woman who believed she needed a man to take care of her. The week after I graduated from college with a fresh teaching degree in hand and a job teaching special education, I married my college sweetheart. I didn't think I needed a career to fall back on. I needed a husband to fall back on. Or at least... That was my programming, and yet my soul knew this was not my truth. I knew walking down the aisle in my first marriage, I was making a mistake. I knew I didn't want to be married, but I didn't have the choice to turn around and leave the church, or I didn't think I had that choice. Turning around and leaving the church was what my heart and soul wanted me to do, but that would mean disappointing my parents, my future husband, and all the people who had come to support us and witness our vows. So I went through the motions that day, knowing all the while that my heart wasn't in it, hoping that I would grow to love this man, that I would grow to love being a wife, grow to accept these new roles. It was a lose-lose proposition from the start, and you can guess how it turned out. Within two years, we were divorced. But my mother's warning, you need a man in your life, would continue to haunt me, and I allowed it to undermine my ability to hear and know my own truth. It would take me three marriages And three divorces to figure out, I'm a bit of a slow learner, that needing a man to take care of me and being a traditional wife was not my truth. It was not what was written on my heart. I kept trying to fit myself back into that old box. I had the education. I had the career. I had the marriage and a second marriage that would include two children But something was not right with my soul. Still, I felt like I was living someone else's life, not my own. But I didn't know what my own life was supposed to look like. I loved my children. I loved being a mother. But my soul was restless. I was not at home with myself. Something had to change. I yearned to know who I was and what my soul wanted for my life. I'd been on automatic for the first three decades of my life. And even though I'd chosen to go to college and become a teacher, I was pulled back into the old box of wife, mother, and stay-at-home mom. No offense to stay-at-home moms. I was one for the first six to seven years of my children's lives. But the more restless I became in those roles, the more my marriage began to falter. I wasn't conscious enough at the time to understand that the change that wanted to happen in me had nothing to do with a marriage or a husband. It was about me wanting to know, love, and accept myself. I didn't know that then, at least consciously. Looking back with the advantage of hindsight and greater perspective, I can see how I could have done things differently, but I didn't have the wisdom or perspective at the time. I made choices back then that got me into marriage out of fear and insecurity, had me stay out of fear and insecurity, and had me leave out of restlessness and dissatisfaction and then jump back into another marriage. Out of fear and insecurity. Oi, was I the most empowered version of myself? Was I making these choices that were aligned with my soul and its purpose? I never even considered these questions. I was too driven by fear. With the advantage of hindsight, I came to see the wisdom in this quote by Dag Hammarskjöld, who was the former UN General Secretary. He said, how long the road is, but for all the time the journey has already taken, how you have needed every second of it in order to learn what the road passes by. I needed every second of the journey I'd taken to learn the lessons I was required to learn. And so I see that while it was painful, it was also purposeful. And that's how the soul works. And then one day, my whole life changed. Encouraged by a friend, I attended a personal development seminar. It was my first exposure to the human potential movement. The first time I looked inside myself And the experience changed my life. My journey of transformation had become. Changing my life was exactly why I went to that seminar in the first place. Having lived my life up until then as someone who didn't know who she was or what she wanted, all I knew was that I felt restless and yearned for something more than the life I'd been living. Something deep inside me was stirring and calling me forth. I was afraid to know what it meant, because if I allowed myself to know, I was afraid I'd be forced to do something that would cause pain for my family. If I really took action on what was stirring me, in me, I I just couldn't bear to face the amount of disappointment I would cause to my loved ones. From the outside, my life appeared to be perfect. However, inside I felt lost and disconnected. I was not at home in or with myself and had no idea how to find that elusive place called home for which I yearned. I had followed my mother's instructions about having a man in my life to take care of me. And in spite of the fact, something in me knew this wasn't true. It wasn't my truth. But it was rather the truth my mother had accepted for herself, given her own experiences in life. But a greater truth awaited my discovery. And I was both scared and excited to find out what it was. Whatever it was, I couldn't find it in myself. And I didn't know where to look. My marriage was faltering and I felt in my heart I needed to leave it in order to find myself. Yet I couldn't find the courage to take the first step in breaking free and charting a course to my own life. The stakes were high. Two daughters, a husband who loved me, who would want to leave such a life? I knew it sounded crazy. And I was afraid to hear my own truth that in spite of everything, I needed to go. My experience in that training room turned my life upside down. Everything in me that had been locked down, buttoned up, and super glued in place came undone. I had literally torn open my box, and it was both terrifying and liberating. Changes like that. It's terrifying and liberating. And the terrifying part is what keeps most people from ever dipping their toes in its water. Today, I know that my experience of going beyond my own box is exactly what my soul ordered so that I could start to excavate myself from the rubble of my life. It took years to sort through all the pieces and put them back together in a way that reflected not who I'd been taught or conditioned to be but who I really was. The woman who emerged from the pieces shocked and surprised me like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. She wasn't in Kansas anymore. She was in her own new beyond. She was far more courageous than I'd ever dreamed of being. She was strong and brave and unafraid to take a stand for what she believed in. She was passionate about people and wanting others to have the same opportunity to wake up and discover themselves as she had. When she finally shook off her slumber, she realized she was here with a distinct purpose and a mission to fulfill. It wasn't enough for her to wake up and live an empowered life. She realized it's what everyone has come to the planet to do. She's the woman I've become. In my life, I've been a teacher, therapist, coach, trainer, speaker, and writer. I've led seminars for thousands of individuals and numerous organizations throughout the United States, Russia, and across the former Soviet Union, in Asia, Mexico, and Latin America. In addition, I'm the mother of two mighty women, and the grandmother of a wondrous little girl named Mira Grace. She and my daughters are my constant inspiration and motivation to keep doing and to keep going in now what would normally be a time in my own life when I might expect to retire. Retire? That feels like Kansas to me. I can't imagine it. There's too much work left to do, not only in my personal life, but also on the planet. There are still so many people who are in search of themselves and their rightful path in this lifetime. I'm not ready to hang it up just yet, especially now when the plot for humanity continues to thicken and the stakes for our collective survival keep getting higher in many respects. At age 80, I feel like I'm just getting started. Perhaps perhaps that's what keeps me feeling young and energized. I have work to do, and so do you. So on that note, I've left a homework assignment for you in the show notes. If you want to maximize your progress in the new beyond, go ahead and take the time to do some reflection and see what comes up for you and then please share it in the life uh, in the facebook page life beyond the box what you discovered so in next time until next time let's get busy creating those new lives beyond the box i'll see you next time